Have you ever come home from a long day just to find out that that meat you needed for your recipe has totally slipped your mind the last time you went to the grocery store? Well, with the help of ButcherBox, you might never have to deal with that problem ever again. With ButcherBox, you get the convenience of having high-quality meat and seafood delivered straight to your door. Not to mention the peace of mind you get to feel knowing that it's 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free. All humanely raised with no antibiotics or added hormones. Let ButcherBox help make your life even easier. No grocery store required. In addition to free shipping on every order, you get to curate your box plans, have access to member-exclusive deals, get recipe ideas and inspiration, as well as helpful tips. You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com morningcup and use the code morningcup at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus, get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com slash morningcup and use the code morningcup. Question. If I were to ask you right this second to write down all of the subscriptions you pay for each month, would you be able to do it without missing one? It's more difficult than it sounds, especially with so many options and those sneaky free trials that you sometimes forget to cancel. What if I told you I had the perfect solution to help you with this exact problem? Why don't you try Rocket Money? With the help of Rocket Money, I was able to see each and every single subscription I pay for, even the ones I totally forgot I had. I'm sure you've been there too, but Rocket Money can help cancel it with just a few taps. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting and kids subscriptions, it's hard to keep track of exactly what you're spending and how much it all adds up to each month. Not to mention the fact that it seems every single day one of those subscriptions suddenly jumps up in price. Rocket Money alerts you when this happens, so you're never caught unawares. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Take control over your finances and with the help of Rocket Money's easy-to-use dashboard, compare your monthly spending and make saving money easier than ever. They'll also try to negotiate lowering your bills up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morningcup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morningcup. Rocketmoney.com slash morningcup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. We have a weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. We listen to a lot of these stories and hear that these soon-to-be killers spend their time in and out of prison for various other crimes. It almost leaves you wondering how they even had time between one sentence and another to commit the heinous crimes that they do. On May 26, 1883, a man was born who, despite the various facts of his case that can't be fully corroborated, committed some truly heinous acts, all while becoming a frequent visitor to the German prisons. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Peter Curtin was born on May 26, 1883, into a life of poverty, alcoholism, and abuse. 
His father would often force his children to look on as his wife was made to strip and have sex with him. His father was jailed for 15 months in 1894 for having an incestual relationship with his 13-year-old daughter. Basically, Peter was born into hell and would soon grow to create a hell for others. At some point, the family was able to escape his father and move to Dusseldorf. In 1888, when he was barely out of its toddler phase, Peter attempted to drown a playmate. Four years later, he befriended a local dog catcher and went with this man on violent hunts to torture animals. This violence kept building throughout his childhood and into his teen years. He was known as the misfit criminal who would fly into a violent rage at a moment's notice. When he was 13, he discovered he could relieve his sexual urges by committing acts of bestiality and soon realized that he achieved the optimal pleasure when he first stabbed the animal. He also attempted to rape the same sister that his father had molested earlier in her life. Peter then spent the rest of his life, as you will soon see, committing a number of crimes like fraud and arson, landing himself in and out of prison at an alarming rate all while raping and murdering women so violently that he earned himself the moniker the Vampire of Dusseldorf. Now, here's where things can get confusing. Because of the time period and Peter's own storytelling, it's hard to determine when his first murder took place. Some believe it happened when Peter was just nine after he pushed a school friend into the water, full well knowing he couldn't swim. And when a second boy attempted to save his friend, he pushed that boy and both perished. Another report claimed that his first kill took place in 1899, after he picked up an 18-year-old girl and, after engaging in sex, strangled her to death with his own bare hands. Some believe this is true, while others claim that this girl survived the attack. But the first known murder that can be definitively connected to Peter Curtin took place on May 25, 1913, when he encountered nine-year-old Christine Klein while robbing a tavern. She was asleep in her bed when Peter strangled and then slashed her throat with a pocket knife. As he heard the blood from her wound drip to the floor, he spontaneously ejaculated. The next day, he sat at the tavern across the street so he could hear the reactions to the young girl's death even visiting her grave and ejaculating while touching the fresh soil. Two months later, in a similar burglary situation, Peter strangled 17-year-old Gertrude Franken and escaped into the night. He was arrested just days later, but not for murder. For another case of arson that landed him six years in prison. He was released in April of 1921 and relocated to Altenburg to live with his sister. Through her, he met a woman named Auguste Scharf, who, two years later, became his wife. For a while, it seemed that the marriage calmed the man. He obtained and kept a normal job, became an active trades union official, and in 1925, moved his wife back to Dusseldorf, where he grew up. Once back at his old stomping grounds, things began to unravel quickly. He soon began an affair with two women, both of whom reported him for rape, but was only made to serve six months. And on February 3rd, 1929, he was ready to resume his killing spree when he stalked an elderly woman named Apollonia Cole. Once she was out of sight from the public, he pulled her into the undergrowth and stabbed her 24 times with a pair of scissors. The wounds were so deep that they struck her bone, but miraculously, she was able to survive her injuries. 
Five days later, he strangled nine-year-old Rosa Olinger before stabbing her in the stomach, temple, genitals, and heart, spontaneously ejaculating as he did so. He hid her body before returning hours later with kerosene and setting it alight. On February 13th, he murdered 45-year-old mechanic Rudolf Scheer, stabbing him 20 times in the head, back, and eyes. When his body was discovered, Peter had a chit-chat with the police, claiming he heard about the murder over the telephone. By this time, despite the victim's differences in age and sex, the murders committed by Peter Curtin were all being connected by police. They knew they had a serial killer on their hands that needed to be caught soon. In the meantime, Peter continued his crimes. He strangled four women between March and July of 1929 and claimed to have thrown at least one into the Rhine River. Then, on August 11th, he raped, strangled, and repeatedly stabbed Maria Hahn, a woman whom he had lured into comfort after going on a date, then buried her body and, several weeks later, returned to nail her decomposing body to a tree in a mock crucifixion pose. However, her body was too heavy for him to handle on his own, so he instead spent the night embracing and caressing her corpse. Three months later, he sent an anonymous letter to the police confessing to Maria's murder and giving the location of her remains. Investigators were able to use his crude map to find her body on November 15th. Realizing that his consistency was making police suspicious, he changed up his murder weapon from scissors to a knife and on August 21st, attacked three separate women, all of whom survived. Three days later, at a fairground, he found two foster sisters, one five and the other 14. While he sent the older girl, Louise, off to run an errand, he strangled five-year-old Gertrude before slitting her throat and discarding her body in a patch of runner beans. When the sister returned, he strangled and stabbed the girl before sucking the blood from her wound. The next day, after refusing to have sex with him, Peter stabbed 27-year-old Gertrude Schultz. She was able to survive and provide a very vague description of her attacker to police. He attempted two more murders, one by strangulation and the other by stabbing, that September before moving on to use a hammer in his attacks. He wanted to try and convince police that, instead of one gruesome killer running rampant in their city, there were a handful. He killed three more times and attacked two others before it all came crashing down on Peter Curtin. By the end of 1929, the vampire of Dusseldorf was all people could talk about, and police had received more than 13,000 letters and tips from the public. They were working tirelessly and with other police forces in an attempt to capture their culprit. But in the end, they had almost 3,000 clues and a list of a and a list of 900,000 names of potential suspects. Then, Peter made a fatal mistake. He decided to write a second letter, this time to a local communist newspaper, and the handwriting was matched to the first letter he sent out. They were now positive that this was the work of one man. After a failed attack left Peter feeling vulnerable, he confided in his wife the crimes he had committed. He knew the walls were crashing down around him, and he wanted her to be the one to turn him in and collect the reward money. Setting her up monetarily was the least he could do. She turned her husband in, and he freely admitted to 68 crimes total, 10 murders, and 31 attempted murders. 
He was officially made to stand trial on April 13, 1931, and charged with nine counts of murder. He pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, but at some point in the 10-day trial, changed his plea to guilty, stating that he felt no remorse for his actions. The jury returned after two hours of deliberation and found him guilty. He was sentenced to beheading in the guillotine, which he willingly walked to on July 2nd, 1931. Just before he took his last breath, he asked a disturbing question. Tell me, after my head is chopped off, will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump on my neck? That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on May 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.